Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. I think we've already tasted how great he is and it's my prayer that we'll just continue to stay in his presence in an attitude of worship as he speaks to our hearts i know i might be sharing the word but this is just as much for me as it is for you and i am just privileged to be able to be up here today to just share what has been on my heart over the last couple of weeks. So if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you, I am Pastor Angel. I get to co-pastor this church with my husband, Lance. He's the real one, right? Like we all know we co-pastor, but we couldn't do it without him. So um, I am just thankful to have these opportunities to just share and, and be with you. So as you know, we just got back a few weeks ago from sabbatical. And as soon as we got back in, we, do- we dove into this series called Straight from the Heart, right? Straight from the Heart. And it was just, you know, God, what are you speaking to us? What are you saying? And so I figured since it was straight from the heart, there might be some people in the room. Now, if you're a teenager, just know that this is your stuff, right? But the parents in the room, you might be like me. And I have this tote in my basement that is full of keepsakes from when my kids were little. They're heartwarming things. I did find out that there are some people who have entire attics full. So I don't feel bad. I'm not going to call anybody out, Melissa. But... um, But we love it, and they do these really heartwarming things. And so you see this cute little card with these little drawn stick figures. Evidently, uh, Kirsten thought I was extra plump because I'm just round. My whole body is just round with some little arms coming out of it. And it's a Mother's Day, and you know, how old is my mom, and what does she do? And she says her favorite color, and, and then she says, Happy Mother's Day, Mom, I love you. And she spells it K I E R. 3-T-Y-N-N. And I'm like, okay, that's it, right? Like, that's, that's the money thing that we see. And then you have Brie up here leading worship, and then I look in this tote, and I'm like, look at our cute little family in 2007, if that's not the most precious thing, right? So that was Bree's interpretation. She clearly couldn't spell Olivia's name wrong or stopped halfway, or right? She stopped halfway. So then we have this uh, cute little book from Olivia, and this is from her three-year-old class from preschool. Look at her little handprints. It's so cute, right? I didn't even have to say anything. Instantly, most of the moms were like, oh, puddle of mush. Some, some of the guys were like, yeah, whatever. Um, so we got a kick out of looking through some of these pictures last night because she looks ridiculous in some of them. And then uh, there's a part in it where it's like, what are your favorite foods? And she put potatoes and salami. I was like, that's my girl. And then uh, it was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? She's like a teenager. So I was like, baby girl's doing the most. Like she did it. She achieved her life's goals. So proud of her. And so we know that these things warm our heart, right? We all have those things that are just close to our heart. We keep, we hold on to. And then there are times that are really intimate and they're personal. And it's where God is just pointing his finger and touching areas of our life that you're like, ooh, that's close to my heart, but in a different way. 
And that's how I'm going to share with you today. And so this is not a typical message. My favorite style of bringing the word is taking a Bible story and really breaking it down and diving deep into the meaning and the background. And I'm just kind of a nerd, so I like that stuff. Uh, but that's not, that's not how I'm doing it today because we're going to talk about straight from the heart. And so I just want to give you a piece of my life. It's a transparent piece of my life and just some areas that God has been working in me and through me and I believe is a word for our church today. So as you know, we came back from sabbatical, and to be honest, I did a great deal of wrestling with expectations while I was on sabbatical. Um, I struggled real hard at what God was going to do, and honestly, it just was this kind of pressure that I felt like I needed to come back with something powerful, with something great. And honestly, when the board gave us this gift, I was like, this is awesome, I'm so excited. And then as we got into it, you know, the enemy does what the enemy does, and our flesh does what the flesh does, because we ought to own our part in that too, right? And I just remember feeling like, God, I need to have something powerful for me. I need to have something powerful for this church, and, and I want you to move and just really just wrestled quite a bit and this one word just kept coming up over and over in my heart and in my mind and it terrified me and it was the word transition transition and I knew in my heart something was about to change and I had absolutely no idea what it was is God going to do something in me is God going to do something in my job like what is this and honestly that word was terrifying to me because I'm a control freak. So anybody else in the room, a control freak. So I'm like, transition, I don't have a plan. We got big problems right now because I like exciting things. I like shiny new things and creativity. I love big adventures. I've been in other countries where it's like, hey, get picked up by a stranger in a car by yourself without a cell phone, drive two and a half hours, preach the word, have somebody else you don't know, stop at an airport that's all dirt roads, and then bring you back. I've done these things across the globe, and I've been like, this is awesome, right? I'm not necessarily afraid of what God is doing in my life, but as much as I like those things, what I love more than anything else, Jesus and my family side, right? What I love is safety and security. That is what hits me in the feels. If I could plan, if I know, and I feel like I got this under control, I am comfortable, I am happy. And so it got me thinking, what about this word terrifies me? What about that word transition is so scary to me as a child of God? Because truly, when I looked at this sabbatical, the board planned it out for us. They gave us a, an overview of what it was supposed to look like. So we had a week where it was spend time with your family, go on a family vacation, a week to learn from a leader ahead of us, which was super awesome. And then a week for a spiritual and emotional retreat. And then a week to do whatever we wanted with it. Doesn't that sound incredible? Sounds really good. And it was perfectly planned out down to like every detail and airline ticket and gas prices and what was cheaper to drive and fly. We did the whole thing. And then it started. And then it wasn't perfect anymore. <laughs> so it started off that first week of family vacation with my husband having COVID, which was super great. So that didn't happen. And then really exciting news, Kirsten got a full ride scholarship to a university on the other side of Pennsylvania. So we're like, this is awesome, except that we had about 10 days to get her packed, ready to go. We had to fill out her FAFSA, get all of the things she'd need for a dorm room, which by the way, she had already spent her graduation money on her real estate school. So like 
state testing this exam, whatever. So we're like, okay, like this is a thing. Bree gets engaged, super awesome, like, wow, this is great. And then we spent a few days in Arkansas learning from one of the greatest pastors we know in America, super powerful, got back, hopped in a car, drove my daughter, my 19-year-old little girl. I don't care how old your children are, teenagers. You are still their babies, okay? I'm letting you know right now. And she's got this hoopty car that I'm worried about breaking down on the side of the road. Like, Jesus, please, you are going to have to cover her with the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, right? All of this stuff happening, really great stuff, really chaotic stuff, and I hated every minute of it. And I was like, God, just let me go back to work. Let me have some normalcy. I like my job. I like the people I work with. I like my routine. I love you guys. I missed being a part of your lives. And in the meanwhile, I was just like, okay, God, clearly clearly, you're doing something. And, and this is a lot of change. So is this it? Is this the transition? Is this what you're talking about in my life? And then scriptures like Ephesians 4.2 kept coming over and over in my mind. Be completely humble. Be completely humble. Okay, God, what's next? What do you mean humility? Why, are you, why do you keep dropping humble and humility on my lap? There's a song that I heard while I was on sabbatical, and I was like, not my style, nothing I would normally listen to, not my jam at all, but there's a line in it that like has wrecked me, and it just says, the author of all history deserves the love of every tribe and tongue. And it struck me, and as I was worshiping and praying, Typically when I bring the word, typically when we talk as a church, it's like we got to let people know that Jesus loves them, that he died for them. We don't want them stuck in their sin and in their shame. There's a better way. There's hope. There's future. And that's great. And that's true. And that's real. And it's right. But what is also right is that God deserves the glory and the worship of his people. And those are things that while I know it in my heart, I thought, God, help me to remember that it's not just about your love for people, but our love for you that is deserving of something back. And so time after time, these things just kept wrecking my heart and opening my eyes to the world we live in, to my world that I've created. And at the same time, wrestling with the idea that humility was my problem. And by the way, that's a clear indication it is a problem, right? If I were to be like, if there anybody humble in the room, if you raise your hand, that's a sure sign we got to work on that, right? We know that. <clears throat> so at first evaluation, I was like, uh, no, that's not for me. I don't, I don't really know why we're doing this. Like, I, I don't have a problem, God. You know that I, I don't have a problem putting other people before me. Actually, my favorite thing that I get to do as a pastor is create avenues for other people to shine and flourish in their calling. I love leader development and just pouring into people and raising them up. Like, it makes me happy to the point where Pastor Anthony has coached me sometimes and been like, you need to stop. You're a leader. You're not wrong for leading, right? So this is an area for me that I'm like, well, it can't be that. And I don't ever think I'm the smartest one in the room because I've got so much to learn. And I sit amongst a staff and a team that when they talk, I'm like, man, we're blessed. We've got some good pastors around here, guys. And so I just thought, you know, clearly, clearly that, that's not it. So God, what's this about? And I just felt him speak to my heart. Like while you, while you might not compete with others, and while you might be okay with letting other people shine, and you know that you have a lot to learn, what you do have a problem with is letting me be God. And I was like, oh, oh we're, we're going there. Okay, all right, I guess we're doing this right now. Ouch. And I don't know why some of you guys are surprised when I say that out loud because I already told you I was a control freak, right? So God put his handle on that real quick, and it got me thinking, and it stirred my heart in such a way 
Because while in America, being a control freak is okay, it's openly accepted. As a matter of fact, it's like, wow, here you go. You're going to do it. You're going to do it great. It's not okay, and it's not acceptable or acceptable in the presence of a father whose job it is to take care of me, whose job it is to take care of you and his church and his children, even though I gave birth to them, right? So while I didn't come back from sabbatical rested, that's not a thing. What I did come back with was an understanding of why I have been stressed and why I've been overwhelmed. And so I had been carrying a load, like many of you, that was not mine to carry. Taking on things, trying to be in control, trying to help a situation when it wasn't mine because there's so many problems to fix. There's so many people to help. There's so many secrets to keep. There's so many responsibilities that should have never been mine. And nobody really needs me that much, right? Because if they do, that's a problem and that's unhealthy for, for them and for me. And so I was reminded that I'm not the answer he is. Anyone else? Anyone else? If you're unsure, maybe this video will help you. Two, illness, two illnesses that have reached epidemic proportion today are pridefulitis and opinionatia. And many have lost hope. Symptoms include hearing loss, anger, the urge to debate, and delusions of not needing directions. I see pridefulitis every day in my practice. It destroys friendships, marriages, and careers. Sufferers can find it impossible to share any advice or helpful input. But now there's hope. Introducing Humilify. After just a few days on Humilify, I was actually able to hear my spouse again. Humilify saved my marriage. I suffered from full-blown, nag-resistant pridefulitis. Humilify completely cured my hearing and my vision. Humilify gave me hope. Humilify has also been shown to be effective against other diseases, like I'm the victimitis, get off my caseus, and I know bestia. Exercise caution. Side effects include sincere apologies, attentive listening, and the realization that other people are intelligent. Make the decision that will change your life. Try Humilify today. Humilify. Isn't it time you swallowed your pride? Right? Right? I was telling the team before service, I was like, I had to have a funny video because I'm not funny. Like, the guys that get up here and preach always got jokes for days and everybody laughs. And I'm like, I just don't know how to make people laugh unless it's at my own expense. And we're not doing that this morning. Okay? No. So what is humility, right? What is humility? Let's talk about that. It's a modest, hear me, a modest, not low view of one's own importance. It's not saying, you know what, I'm no good at anything and I need to bring down my gifts and my ability, abilities. As a matter of fact, that's not at all what God wants. What he wants us to understand is our importance in using those abilities, right? So it's not to have a low self-esteem, but it's to have a modest view of how and where and when that we use our gifts and our abilities. And it's so counterculture, isn't it? Because our culture is like, be your best, strive for excellence, get ahead, dog-eat-dog dog world. And as a matter of fact, it doesn't matter who gets run over, get the job done. Deadlines are met, and you can even make a little advancement for yourself. And ultimately, we get to make a name for ourselves. That's our culture. That's what we want to do. That's what 
society tells us that we do because then we get to be the fun mom that everybody wants to be on Instagram and we get to be the great husband that everybody views us at. We get to be the excellent student and the most popular and the gifted leader and the generous boss and the beautiful girlfriend and the star employee. But friends, this is the problem because a lack of humility is the underlying problem that we have, not only in the world, but in the church. I want to be a part of the team, but I want to do my own thing too, right? I want to be a part of the team. I want you to hear me. I want to have a voice. I want to be included in things, but I definitely want to be, I want to be doing my own thing too. And while we wouldn't say it out loud, what this often translates in our lives looks like this. I want to be noticed. I want to stand out. I want to be the one that people go to because they know the job will get done. I want to know more so that other people think I'm smart. I want to have an awareness of what's going on so it looks like I'm in the know in all of the circumstances. I want the details to control the outcomes. That's me. I want to be a part of something great and be the greatest part of it. And again, we don't say those things out loud, but internally, isn't that what we wrestle with? I want to be a part of something great, and I want to be the greatest part of it. And yet to be humble is to be like Christ. And he, the Son of God, the Lord of all creation, even said this of himself, I can do nothing on my own. Can you imagine Jesus saying that? Hey, by the way, I formed the stars and the galaxies, and, you know, I was there, and I formed Adam, and it was so cool when we breathed life into his lungs. He didn't. He said, I can do nothing on my own. And he goes on to say, and if I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would be, wouldn't be valid anymore. He's saying, I'm not even going to brag about myself. I'm not going to talk about who I am. And he goes on to say in Matthew 23, verse 11, whoever is the greatest should be a servant of others. If you put yourself above others, you will be put down. But if you humble yourself, you will be honored. And Paul in, uh, continues this encouragement of our lives. So in Philippians, 4, uh, Philippians chapter 2, you guys know this. It's popular, but just hang on there with me. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Anybody got that down? Me either. We're on the same team. Let's keep reading then. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. But this next scripture that Paul shares in chapter 12, verse 3, this is, this is, this is it for today. This is, where it, this is where it is. I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me. Not that I've acquired, not that I did it on my own, not the things that I've provided for myself, and I've worked really hard and people have noticed of all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, as every one of you does, in pure grace, it's important that you do not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. And here's where it's at. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we do for him. Friends, we will live up to or we will live down to whatever we believe to be true about who we are. We will. And the only accurate way to understand ourselves is by who God is and what he does. 
It's not about what we acquire. It's not about how well we succeed. It's not about the education level. It's not about what we bring to the team. And there is such a push in today's culture of finding our true and authentic self. And in that, in itself, that's not wrong. We're talking about that here today. But the problem is we keep getting more and more miserable in society as we continue to strive for our authentic selves and finding who we are. And so we become a part of these extremes that forsake those around us as if their dreams and their ideas are irrelevant in light of our own. And the reason that we're left in want And the reason that we're still living discontented in our lives is because we continue to strive to be our best, to do our best, to find our best and what makes me happy. But we will never find that in ourselves because we will always disappoint ourselves. We will fall short, but our identity is fully found in the person of Jesus Christ. It is Christ's best in us. It's Our best is his best. It's his fulfillment, his character, what he's done, the work he did on the cross, oftentimes despite us. And so it's Christ who will never disappoint. It's him and his character that shine brightest, that brings that peace and that wholeness that we're looking for because he owns it all, he is it all, he has it all, he gets the glory for it all, and he is in you if you're a believer. So find confidence in who God is in you. So you don't have to find confidence in yourself by evaluating yourself or others. Because the real test of a kingdom heart isn't how you treat people when they're down, but how you treat them when they're up. You hear that? The real test of a kingdom heart isn't how you treat people when they're down, but how you treat them when they're up. It's time to stop competing. They don't need tore down. Let them shine. Let them shine brightly. Let people love them, even like them, more than they like you. The Bible does not say, you know what, you should humble other people. But what it does say is encourage other people. It says to build them up, to let them shine, to resource them and help them to be all that God has called them to be. So when we find ourselves getting puffed up or competing, wanting our spouse to serve us, striving to be our best, do our best, look our best, trying to control all the things, trying to make a name for ourselves, I'd encourage you to ask yourself, is this about me? Is this about my comfort? Or is this about you and your glory and your honor? Is this about your church, Jesus? Because pride affects every area of our lives. It affects our jobs. It affects the relationships with your parents. It affects relationships with your kids. It affects relationships in your marriages and your friendships. It affects the church. It affects your Christian witness. It's like being a triangle. We all know the shape of a triangle in this room. But there's only room for one person at the top. But friends, let me tell you, get to the top. Some of us have been there. It's lonely. It's lonely being at the top. We were never meant to have a triangle-shaped relationship with anyone. Jesus is at the top. Just him. And our desire is to work with him and be a part of who he is and who he's calling us to be. C.S. Lewis says true humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Thinking of yourself less. Because, friends, pride closes the door to spiritual growth. But humility opens the door to transformational growth. When it is about us and me shining, it's when we feel empty because, again, it'll never be enough. No accolades will be enough. No amount of attention will be enough. No amount of excelling and doing well in your workplace. No amount of money is ever going to be enough when that is the end goal. 
But when we're humble, when we let Christ lead, when we let him have his way, that's when transformational growth happens in our lives. Because we know to the humble, God gives patience and peace and gentleness. The fruit of the Spirit grows in the soil of humanity or of humility. That's where the fruit grows. Not when it's like, I don't need your fruit. I got it on my own. I could do this thing. And so where do we start? Where do we start? I think we could consider humility in our heart, which is our emotions and our desires. And some ways that we could do that is asking ourselves, is this about me? Or why does this matter to me so much? Have you guys ever been in a situation where you're like, I know I need to let this go. I know it wasn't a big deal, but it is festering and eating away at my insides. If you're not saying yes, you're not human and you're not breathing, right? We all have those moments, but those are the times that it's like, why does this matter to me so much? God, check my heart. Or maybe asking yourself, does this benefit others? Does this just benefit me or does this benefit others? Another way to consider is humility in our soul which is our spiritual, eternal image, our attitudes, and our character. Do I need the credit? Am I willing to hurt others personally or privately to get the job done, even if they don't know that it happened? Do I act like I'm better than others or that I'm more capable? Am I willing to let others shine? What about humility in our mind, which is our thoughts and our intellect? Am I thinking of others? Think about our thought life. How often do my thoughts reign through benefiting others and blessing others and being a part of a healthy team and what God could do? Ask yourself, what entertains my thoughts about other people? Well, I don't say it to their face. Well, you're thinking it. God, have your way in my mind. Help me to take my thoughts captive before you. Or how am I using my ideas to help other people? God, where can you use me in my mind so that I could benefit your work and your kingdom on this earth? Or humility in our strength, which is our energy and our labor. Am I physically exhausted from being emotionally drained? God, do you need to do a work in me there? Am I using my strength to serve others, to serve your church? Because when we love God with all we have, we walk in humility with all we have, trusting him to be God in all things. Because the humbled life is a surrendered life. It's a surrendered life. And honestly, it's all his anyway, right? It's all his anyway. And the truth is, friends, you will struggle, I will struggle. You will fail, I will fail. But your weaknesses, inabilities, and failures present no challenge to God's plan for your life. Your willingness does. Your willingness. I'm going to say that again because we need to hear that today. Your weakness, inabilities, and failures present no challenge to God's plan for your life. Your willingness does. Are we willing to let God use us? Are we willing to lay ourselves down? Because truly, he could do more with our humbled lives than we can do in our own strength. He could do more on his worst day than we could do on our best day. The Bible isn't about how successful we are in God, but how successful God is in us. He's doing the work. It's his job to do. It's our job to get out of the way. It's his job to make it happen. It's his job to be glorified. It's his job to bring it all together, to be the sole unifier. It is our job to get out of the way and let him work. And yet, even as I say this, I wonder, are we more worried about what others say about us than what he says about us? Because humility means caring less about those things. Do we care more about what our coworkers might think or our family members, or our neighbors might think. 
then God, what are you saying? What are you saying about us and what are you asking me to do? How can I walk in obedience to you? Has the fear of man and the, what they may say become our idol? And I know we'd never say that. Like, I, I don't, but I don't bow down and, and I don't worship what other people say. No, but we for sure take a step back more times than we should out of fear of what they may say. There are times we don't step out in faith because the fear of man and what they think of us or say over us or how they'll view it stands in the way of what God wants to do in our lives. Let's be careful not to let that be an idol. Or maybe you're here today and you think, I, can, I need to prove myself. You don't understand. This is how I do it. I feel loved and I feel accepted when I'm working and I'm, and I'm doing the work and people see and they notice it. We don't have to work ourselves to God. And if we did, it would be about us. And it was never meant to be about us. Or maybe do we have our own plans and ask God to bless them? Or do we bless God and then walk in his plans? Because there's a way that we can bring honor and glory with the same things that we're doing. Friends, do we know his heart? Because knowing him and seeing him for who he is shapes every part of who we are. The last thing we want to be is our own gods. And that's what we often try to create, right? My happiness, what I want, what makes me happy, who I am, who I am, who I am. It is God who shapes us. It is God who does the work in our lives. And we cannot shape him to be who we want him to be, which is what we do when we make ourselves into our little mini gods. My happiness, my joy, my comfort, it was never meant to be about that. It was meant to be about my holiness before a reverent God who loves us, who gave his son to die so that we could spend eternity with him. So our only response is to honor him with our lives. Whether it feels great or it feels horrible, God is God. And we are not because the last thing we want to do is shape him to be somebody when it fits for us. Too often, I think we'd rather grab God than trust God to grab us. And it's a control thing. We hustle. We make it happen. God, I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on. I'm hanging on. And he's like, if you would just let go, you could have some freedom. I've got you. I've got you. Because when I think I'm in control is when I'm most out of control. When I think that I am in control and I've got things handled and I know where I'm going and I know what I'm doing, whoo, that's a rough day for me and for everybody else in my path. It might work for a little bit. I might get the job done, but the fulfillment and the joy and the peace that God has called us to live and walk in, we're missing it. So friends, don't settle. Don't settle on yourself. His best is your best. And your best is in him. That's your authentic self. That's who God has created you to be. And so for me, surrender, whoo, it looks more like don't be afraid of the future, angel. Let go. Stop trying to grab God. Stop trying to know all the things. And so that's my transition from sabbatical. Not just my girls moving away. Not just the ridiculous amount of staff changes. Uh, but learning that he is and he always gets to be in control. And friends, it's not a, the first time I've learned this lesson. But I'm telling you, he is shaking up every area of my life to get my attention. And just like me, there are areas in your life that I know that he's saying, okay, let me shake that up because you will have more joy and you will have more peace when you let me move. So for me, humility, again, that, that looks like surrender. For you, it might mean it's time to stop comparing. 
because it's okay if they're better at it. It's okay. It's okay. Maybe for you it's time to start serving somebody else or to stop trying to find fulfillment in yourself. Because what I know to be true is that God calls us to himself and in his presence is the fullness of joy. It's what we're looking for. It's what we're hanging on to. He chose us in him before the foundations of the world were set in place. He's in charge and he's trustworthy. He does really well there. He always has our best in mind. He does not get it wrong. Never once has he gotten it wrong. Our perception of how things need to be, maybe that could be modified, but he does not fail. He promotes, he lifts up. We don't have to try. And he prepares the way we choose if we walk in it. Do you hear that? He prepares the way, not you, not me. No amount of detail knowing, no about a planning, amount of planning for the future is ever going to fix it. But what we choose to do is walk in it. God, what, are, what is my next step? What is my next step with you? So if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place, I just want to ask you some questions this morning. Are you willing to invite Jesus into your lives? room by room, inch by inch. In all of this, my love and my adoration for Jesus has never changed. It's never wavered. And yet, as his child, as his daughter, as a wife, as a mother, as a pastor, who should know better, he needs to put some areas, okay, Angel, get that in check. You don't need to know. I know. What is he saying to you today in your life? Or maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. Today is a great day to start. We're going to have some people up front that are willing to pray with you. Please come forward. We want to pray. Pray with you. But as you invite Jesus into your life, just inch by inch, we're going to have some people up front willing to pray with you. What is it that God is saying to you? What area in your life have you been self-sufficient? What area of your life do you need God to just bring peace and wholeness to? I assure you it starts with humility before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We want to pray with you. Not to know your business, but because we don't do things alone in the house of God. We stand side by side, shoulder to shoulder, the good, bad, and the ugly, walking step in step without judgment, saying, I will not let you fall. I will not let you fail. I will not let you go because God does not let me go. So instead of hanging on to yourself and your self-preservation, what if we released it? Let go. Let God do a mighty work in our lives and let his church hold on to you. That's what he's calling us to today. And so as the song lyrics begin to be sang, I just invite you forward for prayer. Let God do a work in your life. Let him challenge you in ways that you didn't even know were coming because that is where life is.
to stay in an attitude of prayer and reflection. I believe the Lord just has a word for you this morning. You know, we can get busy doing our things and moving. And I just really felt like the Lord was saying this morning, it's not in our striving, it's not in our moving, it's not in our effort, it's not in all these things that we want to put forth. But it's in that finished work of the cross. And Jesus says, to Telestai, it is finished. And so it's in the simple being still, in the resting, in the quietness, in the holiness of who he is and what he says we are. 
Amen. Amen. Just continue to seek the Lord in this place. What's he saying to you today? Desperate for a demonstration of your power. Come and wreck a generation for your glory. Way beyond our expectation. Yeah. 